Well, welcome to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I'm Laura Ellsworth. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holmes. We are here to answer your medical questions. So give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz ready to answer your questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Welcome, Dr. Cruz. Thanks for having me again in these uh, unusual uh, settings uh, on phone instead of in the studio. Yes, we're all being very flexible, (laughs) or trying to be, right? To uh, maintain what we can and do what we can. could you tell us a little bit, Dr. Cruz, about how you got to know Dr. Holm and got involved in these Prairie Doc programs? Well, Dr. Holm, I think, introduced himself about the minute I interviewed in Brookings, and probably two days after I started, asked me to be on the show. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of just the way way he was. He was very enthusiastic about getting people to be involved, and uh, when he learned I had a history and a background in uh, theater, um, going back to I started community theater when I was 10, so I have a little bit of experience on the stage um, and really no fear of public speaking. Uh, We became good friends very quickly. So um, one of my favorite uh, episodes of the show with him was where we did this special on Frankenstein, a Halloween special on Frankenstein and medical ethics. And part of that show, I ended up uh, dressing up as Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein, in period, full period costume, and going to uh, Van Fishback's uh, home to uh, shoot a section of the show. Um, except for the first time I showed up at his house, I was a week early and had the wrong date, and here I am knocking on his door in full costume, <laughs> and he has, you know, thankfully did not answer the door because there was no one home, or I would have been incredibly embarrassed. Yes, yes. Um, but it was a really, really fun show, and, and I ended up rereading Frankenstein, which I hadn't read since high school, um, and had a fun time talking about uh, the medical ethics on you know what doctors can do and what they should do, and is there a difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, But Rick has always been a, a wonderful mentor, very supportive, very positive, and had a way of asking you to do a favor, even if you didn't want to, and then at the end you thanked him for allowing you to do it. So that's a great that's, that's just the, the amazing person that he was, and he will be sorely, sorely missed. Yes. Very good. Yes. I, I remember watching that show, um, Jill, with you being uh, in full costume. That was a fun show. Um, yeah, Dr. Cuomo always had great ideas, and his crew had great ideas for um, – bringing the arts even into our top discussions about medicine as Mm -hmm. well. So very good. Well, thanks for sharing those thoughts with us. Uh, We will be taking our first break shortly. Uh, We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Uh, This gives you a chance to give us a call now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like to have us address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. 
The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, as we uh, look at um, the world of COVID news and changes and things like that, a big change has been masks. Um, At first, we were kind of told, you know, um, not everyone needs to wear them, Uh, but there's been some changes in what they're recommending. Could you update us on that? Yep. So the CDC came out with a new recommendation recommending that uh, people wear masks in the general public as they're going out uh, in public. So when you're going to the grocery store, when you're going out shopping, um, going to pick up your carry-out food, uh, they recommend wearing a mask whenever you're outside of your home in public, um, okay. and interacting with other people. Um, not necessarily, if, you know, if you're on a walk by yourself in the neighborhood, that's fine, but whenever you're going to be in close proximity, you know, that, that six feet, mm-hmm. um, of other people, again, you know, walking in stores. That's when the recommendation came. And I think initially the recommendation not to wear masks wasn't that masks aren't good, but it was more that there's a shortage and we need to preserve the masks for those who need it the most, as in, you know, people in the clinic, uh, the physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, you know, people in the hospital who are taking direct patient contact and care and are around people in close proximity for eight hours a day rather than the, you know, 20 minutes you're out shopping. So when there was a shortage, you know, we give it to the highest risk people. But now that there's been this outpouring of love in the community and people doing things, making these masks, um, we are saying that um, these homemade masks uh, are the ones that we're talking about everyone wearing, not the surgical masks or the N95s. Those are the ones that are designed to be used by uh, healthcare when they're in high-risk situations and, and close to a patient. Um, but the cloth masks are basically to help prevent transmission of the virus. So it doesn't protect you from other people, but it protects other people from you. So if you cough or sneeze um, into that mask, then you're catching most of those particles there and not spreading it to the rest of the community. And we're finding that there's a lot of people with this virus that have absolutely no symptoms, and those are the ones that make, that's why it's so easy to spread, because they feel fine, they don't think they have it, because why would they? They have no symptoms, they don't have a fever, they don't have a cough, and that's why it's, it's going from person to person so easily, because you can spread it when you don't realize you have it. So if, again, that's why we're doing the social distancing, so if, when you're out, you're wearing a mask, you're protecting everyone. So I wear my mask to protect you. You wear your mask to protect me. If we all do it together, we're all protecting each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, saving those N95 masks, which are the uh, hospital-grade ones that even doctors were conserving and just using those when we're out, you know, swabbing a patient to test for COVID or if we're um, putting a breathing tube down or anything where we're worried about lots of coughing or respiratory droplets in the air, 
that's when we're using those high grades. So even doctors um, and nurses and other healthcare workers are being very judicious of what mask we use when, because there is a um, a better mask and a best mask, and for each situation, and um, you don't always need the the highest level if you're just again, you know, walking through the grocery store. The cloth mask should, to our understanding now, which I should put a caveat for everything involving COVID, is to our best understanding now, as this is a new virus, we're learning more about it every day, mm-hmm. about how it acts, how it's transmitted, how long it lives in the air, how long it lives on surfaces. Um, so answers that I may be telling you today may be completely different with the next host next week as we learn more. So at this time, the recommendation is now for people to wear masks when they're out in public to help protect the spread from asymptomatic people to other people who don't have it. Excellent. Yeah, and as I've been learning more about it, it talks about how the water droplets that come Mm -hmm. from your mouth are quite large when they're up close, so that mask will grab them and stop some of them from spreading. However, the tiny droplets from Mm -hmm. other people um, are, it's not for that. It's to protect the big water droplets from escaping Mm -hmm. and being shared with others. So... um, now, the cloth mask, I know um, we've seen lots of people making those cloth masks, yes. and some are being used um, for health care. Can you describe more about how those are going to be used? So the cloth way? ones for healthcare workers are more to protect the high-grade masks, those N95s. Again, if we put a layer on that, it kind of becomes kind of like a um, sofa cushion cover okay. on your couch. So if you have a nice couch and you have kids like I do, I put a ugly couch cover on my nice couch in the basement to prevent my kids from dripping Kool-Aid on it. So sure. my couch will last longer. Same thing with those N95s. They're very important to keep and conserve and keep them safe. We want them to last longer, so we're covering it basically with like a slip cover, yeah. using those cloth masks like a slip cover so that can easily be washed and cleaned and help preserve and protect those masks so we can use them longer since our supply chain is limited and, you know, Unfortunately, everyone in the country needs them, so a lot of them are getting diverted to higher needs areas first. So okay. we need to, you know, judiciously and um, very thoughtfully use our supply that we have here and not waste anything. Got it. And so that was, um, so there's a continued need in Brookings and other places for those mm-hmm. class masks. So some of those sewers who want to keep using their skills for that, that's, yep. that's welcome, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah. I would definitely, I know the hospital foundation has been kind of in charge of the community um, masks and collecting those and then distributing those to the people who need them. So definitely I would recommend uh, talking to the Brookings um Health System Foundation. Okay. I'm sure you can find their information on their website to get a hold of them and say, what are their needs? Um, and, you know, if there's a certain pattern that they want you to use. Because I would hate for people to put in all this effort and right. then have their donation decline because there was something that wasn't meeting the needs or the standards. So, yeah, um, I believe there is a preferred pattern on their website. So you can learn more about that mm-hmm. the Brookings Health System Foundation. We had a couple questions come in um, related to this. Um, it says, we have been told that the virus particles can be airborne and our breathing may carry the coronavirus into our lungs. So we should wear masks and practice social distancing. Why then aren't the warnings for food as dire? 
We are told it's okay to eat lettuce if we wash it, or takeout food is okay if we remove the packaging. If the virus is potentially on a piece of lettuce and it goes into my mouth, aren't I also breathing while eating? So just as dangerous. A lot to think that about. That is there. a lot to think about. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if I have a, a good answer for that, aside from the fact that we can't make everything sterile. Mm -hmm. So, and we're finding that a lot of this, my understanding is why healthcare workers are getting sicker when they are catching COVID is because of viral load exposure. So the more virus particles you're exposed to, the sicker you will get or the more problems you will have. So. Um, again, if there's a healthcare worker who's intubating a patient or suctioning a patient and they're getting coughed and they're getting thousands of millions of particles into their area versus, you know, if there's two or three on a piece of lettuce. Okay. So I think it's all about, you know, we still have an immune system that's still fighting things. Um, so it's, I would say, probably more about the amount of virus that you're exposed to. Mm -hmm. um, Again, if you're, you know, it, it's if you're washing clothes and you have like two specks of mud on them, you know, how how hard is it going to be get to get the stain out versus if the shirt dropped in a mud puddle, you know? So it, it's amount of exposure to. I think that would be the that's my personal thought here. Yep. Um, that, why that would make sense. Um, There's a lot to think about and a lot to worry about these days, isn't there? And uh, well, yeah, but we it's still have to eat and we still have to breathe. And right. So yes, yes. lot to lot to take in there. Very mm -hmm. good. Well, we're going to be taking our next break, um, and again, this gives you an opportunity to call in with your questions. Give us a call at six zero five six nine two fourteen thirty. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following. Eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. Welcome back to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc Physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Before our break, we were talking a little bit about masks and how um, those fabric masks are recommended now for us to be wearing when we're out in public. Uh, we'd like to talk a little bit now about kind of our general health and wellness um, during this time. Um, for many of us, our routines, our schedules, gatherings, they've all been totally dissolved, and we are in this unusual time. What are some important things we should do to, um, or remember to do to maintain our health, Dr. Cruz? Well, I would say still trying to keep a normal schedule. It's very tempting, and I know at my house kids' bedtimes kind of went out the window, but mm -hmm. uh, trying to keep them and yourself on a, a regular schedule. Get up at the same time every day. Try to go to bed at the same time every day. Uh, try to get some amount of exercise in. You know, walks are not uh, banned as far as I understand at this point. Get out right. in nature. You know, getting out in the sunshine, getting that vitamin D, just getting out of the house is good for your mental health, even if it's just to the backyard. 
um, you know, take the dogs for a walk. My dog has never been on so many walks in his life, and he's <laughs> loving this. So my cat, on the other hand, wonders why I'm still at home and why I'm still in her house. So, um, But definitely, you know, use this time for taking care of yourself. Still brush your teeth. You know, I, I have to remind my kids to change their clothes and change their underwear. Please still change your underwear every day, you know. Yeah, still stay healthy and clean and, you know, trying to keep a routine is, is very healthy um, for people, you know, and just doing your basic self-hygiene because it's very easy to sit on the couch in sweatpants and binge watch Tiger King on Netflix <laughs> uh, and realize all of a sudden it's 7 o'clock at night and you haven't done anything all day. And, you know, and if that happens, it happens. And And I think at this point giving ourselves a little bit of, grace and kindness to say we're all figuring out how to do this and if you pick up a new hobby great if you end up watching the entire series of the office great whatever it takes for you to feel healthy and um, take care of yourself it's okay to have bad days it's okay to have great days it's okay to not know how you're supposed to feel right now because no one does um, but just to be kind to yourself, be kind to everyone else. Um, you know, it's it's very easy to get short with family when you're stuck in a confined space with them day in, day out. And, you know, just so try to have patience with yourself. Try to have patience with your family. Um, exercise, burn off that energy. Um, and, you know, now's the time. I've, I've been learning to cook a lot. Of, I've been trying lots of things off of Pinterest uh, for cooking and activities and exercising. So um, I'm trying to do all the things that I said, God, if, if only I had some time, free time to do, I would do X, Y, and Z. Um, so I found one thing for, that helped for me is to actually make a list of choices of things to do. And I have a list of about 10 things, and I try to pick at least three to five to do a day. And then I oh. feel if I have done three to five things off of this list, I have accomplished something that day. Sure. And those could be fun things? They could be they fun could things. Be... Yep. I, I'm like, I'm going through photographs. You know, that that, bo- that shoebox of photographs that you don't know what to do with. Right. Guess what? I'm going through that shoebox of photographs. And, you know, other fun things, you know, watching um, TV, praying, meditating, reading, you know, playing a game with the family. I mean, those are all the things on, on my list of things that I want to do and and get to do. Mm-hmm. Now, so, you know, unfortunately, dishes is always on that list, dishes and laundry. <laughs> so many dishes, right? Yeah, oh, my our dishwasher goodness. is running so many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we, if individuals um, have a medical condition or an ongoing medical concern that they've but working on with their primary care physician, um, things that really changed here at the clinic. Yes. Maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Um, in general, we're, we're trying to keep, here at the clinic, they're trying to keep things, as many people away, away as we can, right? Physically, yes, yes. physically <laughs> away from the clinic, but not ignored. Right. So, you know, what we don't want to happen is people to stay away from medical care because they're afraid to come in. Because there have been people ignoring heart attacks because they're afraid to go to the mm-hmm. ER. People that have abscesses or big infections that have not been addressed because, again, they're afraid to go to the clinic or afraid to go to the ER. If there's something that has to be seen, it has to be seen. And we're doing everything we can here to try to protect our patients. That's why we have a separate clinic entrance and a separate clinic 
specifically for people with respiratory symptoms, coughs, colds, you know, possible COVID, things that would look like or mimic COVID, they have a different entrance. Um, they don't have a waiting room. They get called from their car to check in and go straight to an exam room. And then we've got our healthy section of the clinic where people that absolutely have to be seen for routine things, the sprained ankle, the bladder infection, the stitches, um, again, that stuff that has to be seen in clinic and can't wait, we have an area for them. Mm-hmm. So we're trying really hard to be um, responsible to keep people that are healthy without respiratory infections away from those with the respiratory infections and minimize exposure to staff, to uh, people who are coming in to be seen and um, trying our best to protect you and still take care of you because, again, and these chronic issues, you know, anxiety doesn't go away. In fact, anxiety is probably worse for a lot of people mm-hmm. right now. Um, that doesn't go away. Depression doesn't go away. Diabetes doesn't go away. A heart disease doesn't go away. All of these things don't go away because there's COVID. So we're finding ways that we can still treat those patients, um, either if they have to be physically seen, physically examined here in the clinic, or if it's something we can discuss over the phone um, or over a virtual visit with a video chat, a live video chat through our patient portal. That's been a wonderful way um, to help take care of patients and still keep them safe. You know, we still want to keep get have kids in to get their vaccines. You know, so those there's some things that we don't want to put off until later. We don't want to put off taking care of your health, and we're we're trying to come up with creative ways. You know, can we draw your blood from your car and so you don't have to come into the clinic and mm-hmm. and get your labs done that way? Can you know, is there a way that we can get vaccines done again that minimizes exposure risk to children? Um, in the clinic here. And we're screening everyone that comes into the clinic. We're screening them. If they're having any symptoms, we're taking their temperature at the door. So we're trying our best to um, keep the healthy people by the healthy people and the sick people by the sick people Mm -hmm. and and still take care of everybody because, you know, um, those with chronic health conditions, we haven't forgotten you. We still care and we want to help you and we're, we're really trying our best to do that in a way that doesn't put you at further risk. Right. So if anyone is still has an issue of any type, they should probably just call the clinic and um, can sort out what the best way to manage that moving forward is. Yes. How can we best help you to keep you healthy and safe? And does, what does that mean? Does that mean talking to you over the phone? Does that mean talking to you over a video visit? Which And we're working really hard with insurance companies to get these things covered. Okay. Um, so at this point, it sounds like the major insurance companies have – agreed to cover these virtual visits um, similar to a clinic visit. So, uh, again, this is uh, an issue that's happening nationwide, so everyone, including insurance companies, are asked to be flexible and and come up with creative solutions for helping keep people healthy. And these virtual visits, what what helps them be successful? You know, like, what helps a virtual visit work? Okay. I can see where sometimes they work and sometimes Sometimes it might be a struggle. Yes, um, it, it was the first several that I did were very. Um, it, it's a very different way of doing things because you're used to taking a history from a patient, and then you're used to doing a physical exam. Well, right now my physical exam is what can I see? Are you able to breathe and talk in full sentences? Are you sweating? 
Um, you know, do you have any rash that I can see on the screen? Mm-hmm. So, it, but I can't listen to your heart. I can't listen to your lungs. I, I can't check reflexes. I can't, you know, push on your stomach. Um, so I think we're we're trying to adapt to that. Um, although the patient history is a very uh, probably the most important part of my um, time in the room with the patient is listening to them tell me what's what's wrong. So again, you patients have to be. Um, the storytellers, tell us the story, tell us exactly what you're feeling, tell us every detail mm-hmm. that you can about what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, because that gives us the clues of what we need. The physical exam was just to confirm what I already guessed from what you told me. Mm-hmm. So um, the patients, it really tells me that I need my patients to tell me as much as they can in detail so I can come up with a good diagnosis mm-hmm. and treatment plan. Very good. And as far as medications and prescriptions go and um, things at the pharmacy, um, those things should all be staying uh, similar. Is that yep. correct? I mean, we send things in um, through the computer. So, again, you don't have to worry about coming in to pick up a paper prescription. Um, pharmacies, I know, uh, have been working on you know trying to give three-month supplies for a lot of things. If, if you're doing a month-by-month, you may want to ask your physician, hey, can I do three months? Because... Um, again, that's it's always good to have stuff on hand. Again, that limits the number of times you have to go out to get medications. Right. And if it's, you know, lisinopril, I don't think the pharmacy is going to run out of lisinopril. That's a pretty common thing that they get in bulk. Um, and again, you know, talk with pharmacies. Um, as far as, you know, we know at this point things are, are coming in. Um, there are certain medications that they are kind of, watching for um, that are like the high, are specifically not kind of the investigational ones sure. for, um, for COVID with the Plaquenil, hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm. the tongue twister, azithromycin. All of those medications are asking for a little bit, because uh, people are using them for other things as well. So if you have the rheumatoid arthritis and you're on these medications, the pharmacy just wants to know that that's why you're getting it, not um, stockpiling it, because there are yeah, we want to have it to the people who need it. Right, right. Well, we need to take our final break, and so we will be back with you after these messages from a very medical group, Brookings. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. For children aged two to five, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Um, we had a couple more questions come in. A follow-up question regarding masks. Can masks be used multiple times? And if so, what kind of maintenance should be used? Is washing them effective? 
So the cloth masks uh, that we're asking the community to wear, they can be washed. So if you put in the washing machine, hot water, detergent, and then dry it in the dryer for 30 to 40 minutes, that should kill the virus. Okay. So you can use those multiple times. I would wear it once and then wash it. I would wash after every time you go out and wear it. Um, the biggest thing with masks is not contaminating yourself when you take them off. So you have to assume that the front side of the mask is contaminated. So if you have the ones with the ties, um, take the bottom tie off first and then the top tie off. Because if you take the bottom, the top tie off first, then it flops down and then it hits your chest, and all of a sudden now your chest is contaminated. Okay. So uh, it's about, and then if you take the ones with the ear loops, you know, taking it off simultaneously and again forward, um, and I would say just try to fold it in half and throw it in the wash right away. And, okay. And wash it. And wash your hands anytime after taking off a mask. Because, um, again, you, you don't want to contaminate. That's where we found a lot of people are getting sick, uh, including healthcare workers. When they're taking, it's not that they didn't have the right protective equipment. It was when they took it off, they accidentally exposed themselves. Okay. So there's a, there's a right way to do it. Right. And there's lots of great videos that show how to take them on and off. Um, so definitely, you know, watch for that and wash your hands after doing so. Got it. We had one more follow-up question as well regarding um, produce and the lettuce. So if you purchase the lettuce and have it in the fridge for an extended period of time, will the germs still be living, or is it safer the longer you have it stored in the fridge before eating it? Uh, I would say cold slows down viral replication, but it won't stop it. Um, heat is what destroys the viruses, so I don't think you really want to um, be cooking your lettuce right. at 180 degrees, or I think I was hearing... Um, 158 to 160 degrees is what it, for 30 minutes is what it takes to kill the virus uh, in an oven. So, um, again, you know, I would say wash things off and and then try to use them, I would say, sooner rather than later because the longer something's there, the more time the virus has to replicate. Okay, very good. And just a quick reminder as we um, head into the holiday weekend, it's tempting to get together with families and with others, but... Um, medical professionals and our leaders are really encouraging us to continue to stay on our own, right? Stay home. Yes, please stay home. Continue to stay home. We need to do that. Uh, a quick programming note, this is a special week for the Prairie Doc programs as we shared um, as we share with you a never-before-seen TV show and newspaper essay created by Dr. Richard Holmes back in November of 2019, a few months before his passing. Dr. Holm is passionate about embracing the topic of aging, planning for it, and communicating our wishes to our families. You'll find Dr. Holm's essay, Prairie Doc Perspectives, in your local newspaper. And tomorrow, April 9th at 7 p.m. Central, Central Time, tune in to On Call with the Prairie Doc show that Dr. Holm recorded back in November titled, Are You Prepared for Long-Term Care? So please tune in to... Um, join us for that show tomorrow night. Next week, um, we'll probably be talking on the radio about advanced directives with Lynn Thompson. So homework for the week to see if you have your advanced directive ready and you can bring us your questions next week regarding that. Um, so before we go, um, thank you for listening to the Prairie Doc radio program um, brought to you by Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow The Prairie Doc on Facebook and on YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for The Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. 
My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today, and a special thanks to everyone at KBRK for supporting this program and helping us make it happen even as we practice safe social distancing. As Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.